So we are in our last week of Advent. We have covered the subjects of hope, peace, joy, and what's the last one we need to cover? Love. Love. Very good. Okay, and that's what we're going to cover today. And there's some irony in the fact that I'm up here doing love today because I remember when I started the Sermon on Hope, and really one of the focuses of the Sermon on Hope was really around how the world's view of hope is different than God's view of hope. And I think that's one of the things, too, that Jeff and I and our staff has talked so much about, that one of the things we want to do as a church is to really look at things from God's view, from his transcendent view. There's so much stuff we get caught up in, especially these days, with what's going on in the world. And we're always here. We come, we gather to worship God. We come, we gather to look up, <laughs> okay, metaphorically, but look up and say, God, what is your view as to what is going on? And so when I did a hope sermon, I said, well, just like love, um, you know, the world has its own view, but then there's God's view. And so now I get to do love, and that's what I want to do today, is I want to really focus on what is God's view of love. And I want to start with the world's view of love, with a song written by Tina Turner, and no, I'm not going to sing it, <laughs> with a song by Tina Turner um, that's called, What's Love Got to Do With It? What's Love Got to Do With It? She wrote this song in 1984, and I think it really captures the world's way of looking at love. So I, just a couple um, verses of that song. It says, oh, what's love got to do with it, got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it, got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? That is really encapsulates the world's view of love. It is a feeling that we feel. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look and contrast that with what is God's view of love. Okay? And so, is it a secondhand emotion? Well, we're going to find out, no, it's not. All right? And we're going to first start, we're going to go through a number of different passages and let God's word speak to us as to what love is. And I want to start with probably maybe one of the most, most well-known verses. When people think of God's view of love or how are we to love, we can turn to Matthew. If you have your Bibles, absolutely. I just um, opened them up right now. So this is in Matthew 22, and it's in verses 34 through 40. And this is when Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And what we see is that Jesus takes two different commandments and puts them together, and we now call this the greatest commandment, which is to what? Love God and, and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself, all right? And so it comes together. So let me just read this. This is Matthew 22, 34 through 40. It says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, I want you to notice a word that gets repeated here. It's the, not just the word love, but it's the word law. And it says, first of all, you have an expert of the law who is asking Jesus this question. When you see the word law in the, old, in the Bible, it's usually referring to the first five books of the Old Testament, which was known as mostly, it, well, it's actually known as a Torah, which actually means law or teaching. And that's what Jesus is referring to. He's going back when, when the expert of the law, who was an expert who know, knew probably by heart the entire Old Testament, believe it or not, is asking, let's, because Jesus and they didn't have our New Testament today, all right? They only had the Old Testament. And so this expert of the law asked, what is the greatest commandment in these first five books that all the Israelites followed, that all the Jews followed, known as the law? where the law was given to Moses as to all the things that the Israelites need to follow. And so Jesus replies, taking some two different commandments, one from Deuteronomy, actually one from your favorite book in the Bible, Leviticus. How many of you for a favorite book? No? Yeah? Oh, there we go. We have a favorite book, okay? It's Leviticus. And it pulls these two together. From Deuteronomy, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. From Leviticus, your neighbor as yourself. What is love? Love is not the law, all right? Love is not the law. When you think of law, and I want you to think of it in the terms of us. When you think of a law, what do we usually think of with laws, all right? Act, and if we're honest with ourselves, what do we usually do with laws? We tend to not always follow them, <laughs> or we tend to interpret them in the way we want to interpret them, where we can sort of do them when we want to, and we sort of don't when we want to, all right? I mean, I'll just be really transparent. Here's the one that I do. Driving. Speed limit is 35, all right? I know that most likely I'm not going to get a ticket if I stay within five miles per hour of 35, all right? So I'll be honest, that most, a lot of times when I'm looking at 35, I know I can go 40, and I can stretch a little bit, and I'm going to be just fine, okay? Well, and when we like, take a look at the law that way, that's also how we can view this great commandment that God's given to us. If we look at love as a law, what do we tend to do? We tend to sort of stretch it. We tend to modify it to fit our own needs. And here are some things that I've just seen, some observations. That when we do that with God's greatest commandment, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself, one of the things we tend to do very easily is we will use the excuse and say, let me focus on the first commandment only. And so we say, oh, you know, I am loving God and I'm doing all this for God, and I'm, sounds great, I'm putting God first in my life. All right? But we actually sometimes will say I'm putting God first in my life when it becomes an excuse for us not to do the second commandment, which is to love others as ourselves, to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we use the excuse, well, I'm putting all this love into God, 
I'm loving him first. He's a priority in my life. And then I go treat someone else horribly. So we tend to separate this great commandment, which is two, which is one, and we separate into two. Another thing I've seen with an excuse here where love is not the law is that we tend to think that we have to, before, Jesus says, what does it say? It says, love our neighbor as ourselves, as yourself. So we think, well, we have to love ourselves first. Before I can love Michelle, before I can love Paulette, before I can love Sally, before I can love any of you, I better love myself first. All right? And then, if I get you around to it, I'll love you. <laughs> okay? And so we think that we have to have all the self-esteem, all this love in ourselves, feel really good about ourselves, which is great, and we should, but that's not what the commandment says. Okay, in fact, when it says, as your neighbor, it's saying you put your neighbor first. You put them ahead of yourself first. You love them even when you don't feel good about yourself. You still love them. And so those are just a couple of ways where we can take and look at, the, at love and really treat it more as a law than what it really is, which is what we're going to look at. So that's the first thing to, to look at. The second thing is, is let's think about it, because what Jesus is answering here in this commandment, this, when he asks this question, he is dealing with the Old Testament law. Now, one of the things that we've been doing, Steve's here, um, he's one of the, my faithful guys on Tuesday night men's group, and what we've been doing now is we've been going through in the Tuesday night men's group, we've been going through the book of Galatians. And we are just finishing chapter four, and we're 20 weeks in. <laughs> That's how fast we go, all right? So we've been in 20 weeks on Galatians. We're now just ended chapter 4. We have two more to go. Maybe we'll get done by the end of 2021. We'll see, all right? But what's, um, what this entire book of Galatians is about is to encapsulate where Paul is saying, we are no longer under the law. Do you hear that? We are no longer under the law. We are no longer under the law of the Old Testament. And um, throughout Galatians, the Apostle Paul is reminding us over and over and over again that with Christ coming, something has radically changed. And what has radically changed is we are no longer under the law. We no longer just do the law. We now trust Christ. Our entire life is focused not on doing a law and whether we get that right or wrong, but on trusting Christ. And so that's going to deal directly with how do we treat this subject of love? What is love not under the law, but what is love when we trust Christ? What does it look like? So I want to read for you this passage, which is one of the, um, the ones in Galatians. And it's 2.16 through 20 where Paul just emphatically says, you're no longer under the law. Don't start, don't, don't keep trying to do the law. And you know, we all tend to do that. We all can, tend to want to go back to doing the law because we feel comfortable with it as opposed to trusting the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is what Paul says in Galatians 2.16 to 20. He says, know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Christ translating that, know that a person is not made right with God 
by doing the law, but is made right with God by trusting, putting their faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified, in other words, that word justified means made right with God, in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Then Paul says, absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. And then Paul says, for through the law, listen to this, for th and this would be so radical to the Jews listening to this in this day. For through the law, I died to the law. I died to the law that I had to do in the Old Testament so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So if we are to love not based on the law, but we are to love based on Jesus Christ and our faith in him, what does that look like? Well, the first thing it looks like is it says right here, love is not a law we follow, but love, it says, is based first on Christ Jesus, who died on the cross, who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is what love is. It's not the law. Love is about, first, what did Jesus Christ do for me? That's where it starts. What did the person of Christ do for me on the cross? He loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the first thing that love is that we look to. So if that's the case, so if it no longer falls under the law, whether we were to love each other, where does it fall? So where, what are we supposed to do now? This based on Jesus loving us. But what it is based on is our love for one another. Our love for one another is now based on the fact that we are no longer under or enslaved to a law, but that we are now free in Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, not only did he say, you're no longer under the law, but we now have complete freedom in Christ to trust him. We're no longer bound by what we have to do. We are now free under Christ to do what he wants us to do. We're free. And this is what it says in Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did he set us free on the cross from being enslaved to sin? So we can be free <laughs> for freedom. And then he says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So we are now free. We're not bound by having to do anything. So the question is, what do we do with this freedom that we've been given, particularly around love? And here is sort of the irony is that we have been set free from having to love God and love our neighbors. We've been set free of doing that for the law. We now have been given freedom to what? 
What is all this freedom in Christ we've been given now that we are not bound by our sins? What do we do with this freedom? And this is what Paul says. He says in Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. The flesh meaning our own sinful, worldly nature. Don't use that freedom to indulge back in the flesh or to get back under the law. But what are we to do with that freedom? Serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law, listen to what Paul says now, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow, Paul just quoted where we started. Was a law in the Old Testament that we were bound to follow. But guess what? People didn't follow that. Why? Why? Because of our own selfish nature and flesh that we were enslaved to. But now in Christ, we've been set free for ourselves? No. <laughs> we've been set free so we can now actually do what the law always wanted us to do, which is to love others as Christ loved us. It's just amazing, actually. It's, it's, it, there's a shift that happens. It's very subtle, but it's so huge. Because no longer do I feel I have to love someone, because if I have to love someone, I'll never really love them. But I'm now set free from the one who loved me so I can love others. Did you get that? I mean, it's a freedom we've been given, and we think, oh, we're free in Christ to do whatever we want to. We're not under a law anymore. Let's go off and have fun. Let's go off and do all these things. And Paul says, the most important thing for you to do, the thing you've been set free for is not yourself. The thing you've been set free for is to love one another. And that's where we end up having that love come from. And so it's interesting that Paul does this in Galatians. Jesus has already beat Paul to this. Because I don't know if you know this, but you know, we think of this great commandment, love God and love your neighbor, which again is something written in the Old Testament law. But did you know that Jesus, right before he died on the cross, that he only gave us one new commandment to follow? If you want to think about how hard is Christianity, how hard is it to follow Christ, there's only one thing that Jesus said outside the law, only one thing we have to do now. And the irony is, it doesn't say love God. Because this is what Jesus says in John 13, 34. He says, a new command I give you. New. Only time he's ever said this. So here's all these commands of the Old Testament. Now I only give you one new command. One new thing you have to do in following me. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See how often he just says that over and over again. New command I give you. What? Love one another as I have loved you. That's what's based on how Christ loves us. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How will each of you know that we follow Jesus? One way. They're going to look at us and say how well 
or I should say, how much are you sacrificing yourself to love one another? That's how the world, that's how Jesus, that's how we are looked at. By one thing, if you claim Christ as your Lord, are you loving one another as Christ has loved you? And so here Jesus has said the same thing that now, and so here's, here's the, I remember, I went back to the, um, the great commission, I mean, the, the great commandment. And I said about how we separate loving God from loving our neighbor. What Jesus has done is now put them completely and inseparably together. Notice how it doesn't say, Jesus says, I don't, he doesn't say, I give you a new command, love God and love your neighbor. He says, I give you a new command, love one another as I have loved you. Because how do we love God now? in this freedom we've been given in Christ, we love God by loving one another. Do you get that? It's all been put together. So if I want to ask myself, am I really loving God with all my heart, mind, soul, and spirit? Look at how well I'm loving others as Christ has loved me. That is now our entire life as Christians is encapsulated into that one thing. I now show how much I passionately love Christ, love the Father. I do that by how I passionately, unselfishly love one another. Now, do all of you find that easy to do? How do you do that? I mean, we don't do it as a law anymore. Oh, I got to do this. How do we do this? Anybody have any answers, any thoughts? How do you do it? How are we going to now really do this and love one another every second that we are around each other? How do we do that? Mary? You pray a lot. <laughs> you pray a lot. <laughs> exactly. You pray a lot. Michelle? I prefer, I prefer my husband. I prefer the other. Yeah, Good. Preferring, Michelle loves that. I love this word. She has this word she uses, which is we prefer one another. Yeah. Loving selfishly. Selflessly. (laughs) It's easy to get those two mixed up, isn't it, even by how we talk. Living selflessly. How do we do this? Those are good. Huh? By what? By the power of the Spirit. Very good. Something has happened. Because when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just like he said, okay, well, now you're free in Christ. Because we don't have the ability to do this ourselves, do we? He says, you only can really genuinely love one another as Christ loved you if you do it through the power of the Spirit. This is what he says in Galatians 5, 16. Um, He says, Paul says, so I walk by the Spirit. And I love this illustration Paul uses here about about the Spirit because it's like you get this idea. He says, so I walk by the Spirit. You get this idea of walking, okay? And which means that if I'm going to walk in the Spirit, I've got to take some steps, (laughs) okay? And then just trust the Spirit to lead me where I go. And it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice the contrast. If I walk by the Spirit, I'm not going to gratify these sinful natures I'm now freed from in the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. Wow, don't we know that? And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are polar opposites. You can't do both, and we want to do both. I'm going to walk a little bit in the spirit. I'm going to walk a little bit in the flesh. No. You're either walking in the spirit or you're walking in the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, Paul says, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And then he says, but if you are led... So what do I do is I walk in the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. The Spirit's out in front of me. I'm following the Spirit. It says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. <laughs> so we no longer are under the law. What do we have as a replacement for that? We now live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. I mean, that's part of it. Honestly... <laughs> The last sermon I did on hope, I probably spent two weeks on, okay? And felt like I should have spent more time. And then yesterday morning, Jeff said, Greg, you're doing the sermon on love today. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> All right? I don't have two weeks to prepare. So I'm just here, and I'm just hoping and praying, and they prayed for me this morning, praying, Lord, use the Spirit to talk to all of us, all of us, okay, to hear what you have to say to us today. We just walk in the Spirit in everything we do. In fact, I think one of the things about these times we live in where it's just so chaotic that we don't know what's going to happen the next minute, thank God we are now being asked to just walk in the Spirit every minute, every second of our lives. We love by trusting in the Spirit. That is the way we love one another. Galatians 5 continues, and it says, and he gives us the contrast. And I want you to listen. When you listen to these, this contrast between living in the flesh and living in the Spirit, listen to how the words and what Paul's using to describe both the flesh and the Spirit have to do primarily with how we interact with one another, how we live with one another. So Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And they are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. Think about all those things. Those are all things about how we treat one another. He says those are all things in the flesh we are no longer to do. And then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. There is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. How do we know when we're trusting in the Spirit? How do we know when we're living in freedom in Christ? The fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit of the Spirit is all about how we treat one another. Are we treating them in love? Really, love covers all of it. Are we expressing our joy in the Lord? Are we bringing peace in our situations? Are we forbearing, I think as Michelle said, are we preferring one another above ourselves? Are we kind to one another? Are we good to one another? Are we faithful to one another? Are we gentle with one another? 
Are we using our self-control to not to give up our own desires for the sake of another? All that has to do with love. So the last thing that I want to, the last point here is just bringing this down is to how do we love one another and how do we know when we're loving one another? We know we love one another when we are not tearing people down, but we are building them up. Did you hear me? We can so easily think, oh, I'm going to tell this person what's good for them, and I'm going to tell them how I'm right and they're wrong, or whatever it may be, and we tear and rip people down. Over and over again, Scripture tells us the way we know we're loving one another is not, so, not even in a way by what we're doing, but asking the other and looking and saying, are we building them up? In everything we're doing, every interaction we have with a person, are we building them up in Christ? Or are we tearing them down? Just a couple passages. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 8.1. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Wow, I think I know the right answer. I think I know why this is happening in the world. I think I know, you know this, and I think I know that, and I'm 100%. I hear people t- today say to me, I'm 100% certain this is why this is happening in the world today. I'm thinking, you're what? <laughs> None of us can be 100% certain. All right? Knowledge, our own thought that we know more than others, puffs up. Love builds up. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful. All things are lawful now that we're free in Christ. But not all things build up. Is what we're doing building others up? 1 Corinthians 14, 26, let all things be done for building up. How many things? Not some things. Not just when I'm out in public, when I'm trying to look good, but when I'm behind closed doors with my wife. All right? When people don't see what I'm doing, all things, let all things to be done for building up. Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. What is the role of what we as pastors and our staff here at Little Church, what do we want to do? What has God given us a role of doing? Really, ultimately, is to build all you up. <laughs> and we build each, up each other in Christ. And then Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Ooh, this is a hard one. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. So I want to end by just taking a look at this example of Christ that Paul gives us in Romans. So much, you know, when you really take a look at particularly in the New Testament, so much of what we've been given, just think of the Sermon on the Mount, almost all the teachings of Jesus, almost all the teachings of Paul is all focused on one thing. How do we practically love one another? How do we build each other up? How do we prefer another above myself? Because that's ultimately what Christ did for us. He died on the cross preferring not himself, but us, so we now can do that with others. And here's a practical example of that. Romans 15, 1 through 6, it says, We who are strong 
ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we end, I hope we've given through Scripture here a perspective of what is real godly love. What is the love that comes from above? The love that's based on what Christ has done for us on the cross. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you know the very famous verse that you see in football games <laughs> splattered everywhere is what? John 3.16. All right? So I want you to think that John 3.16, it really encapsulates what God does, has done for us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the basis of our faith. That is where if today, whether someone's watching this online, whether anybody is here, if you don't know this Christ who loved you, you simply say, Lord, forgive my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me that give me that eternal life. And you are then given that faith that no longer has you under the law, but now gives you freedom to love one another. But it's interesting that John 3.16 there is also a corollary passage in 1 John 3.16. And you put these two together and we have the entire Christian faith before us. Because John 3.16 told us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for us, that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how you know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So if you ever want to say what, if I'm talking to someone or if I want to be reminded the basics of our faith, it is that God in John 3.16 died for us so we could have eternal life, freedom in Christ. So we could what? 1 John 3.16, lay our lives down for others. This is love. This is the love as we leave from here today, we get to walk out and we get to show the entire world. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for, again, this day as we opened up our services. Most of all, Lord, um, we continue to lift up those who are sick, that you will heal them, Lord. Father, we pray that we can be a people, this people of little church by the sea. Then when we go out in the world, people will know that we belong to you. 
And they will know that because we use the freedom you have given to us to lay our lives down, to put our preference not in ourselves but in another, to show that others' interests are more important than ourselves. As it says in John 3, 1 John 3.16 here, that we lay down our lives for our fellow brothers and sisters. May we be that people, knowing we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you've given us today, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the love that you've given us and for the power of the Spirit to love one another. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.